Hello, everyone. You're listening to Cultivated Space, a podcast for Indigenous voices. I am Rashawn Edison, and I am your host for the series. In this episode, we continue our conversation with Taylor Lucero, a fourth year soon to be graduate at the University of Denver. where we come and we bring community and we talk about a lot of issues like social justice, race, class, like all sorts of things. And like, I really enjoyed it. Um, But one of the big things that we wanted to do that we felt like hadn't been done in quite a long time um, was do a protest. So during that time, it was very difficult because like I said, like COVID was really bad at the time. And I remember when we got back onto campus that following quarter, um, after having been kicked out right away, no online classes or whatever, but once we got back to campus, like we got straight to work. Um, We were planning a protest for the first or second week of the quarter. Um, And we made our presence known, especially like through social media, like Instagram and Facebook and when the university became aware of like what we were going to do, they first sent an email email out saying that whoever participates in the protests is going to receive disciplinary actions and consequences, um, which I feel is absurd. I mean, I think there's definitely double standards when it comes to student of color protests on campus. I mean, if we take a few days ago last week, last weekend when the DU hockey team just won a national championship and a lot of students were burning stuff in the streets and just being very obnoxious and clearly that happened on campus and like it could have really put students at risk especially for their safety and somehow DU just wants to celebrate that and I feel like that's very alarming and it's kind of two-sided being that when we were doing a protest for our right to be who we want to be on campus and not feel so limited. And I felt like the university was really trying to limit us and to silence us, but we fought that and they were able to accommodate us to a certain extent. Um, But it really involved just kind of getting the word out there about um, protesting around campus and basically educating the DU community of why the Pioneer moniker needs to go. And I remember that was the one day, I think, in a very long time where I felt very, very empowered as a leader. I definitely felt emotional and bittersweet at times because I know when we were marching and we had the microphone going, we had students shouting in the back, like, and I could hear the drums in the distance from the drum group who came with us that day. I just remember walking, I just remember feeling so uplifting, so powerful. And as like Native women, like sometimes we don't feel that. And I think as a leader, that was like what really grounded me and like that's what motivated me like all these years too. Um, I All I could think about was our previous cohort of students who definitely fought the hard fight when their time, when they were here. And I definitely felt like they were with us that day and like how when we talk about we carry on these legacies, we carry on the torches, like that's what it felt like in that moment that this is my responsibility to make sure that our Native and Indigenous students' voices are heard. And 
yeah, I think a lot of that was a lot of mentally draining work because yes, I'm very surprised at the turnout that we had. I believe we had more than 200 students um, participate and I got to speak on behalf of my student organization along um, with the co-chair at the time, John Cummins. And, you know, we definitely, it's, I've always been like, it's not about being the face of a group, but it's also just making sure that like, like I said before, that like our voices are heard and that we're being a part of these things. And I pay my respects a lot to the Righteous Anger Healing Resistance, um, their members and like them bringing us in and being just very, you know, respectful and being allies. And I know that's something that our group hasn't had a lot of the times here on campus. And now it's about finding those resources and like those connections and, you know, just making shit go down. Making things happen, making things happen. I like it. I like it. Yeah. So uh, it's outrageous that you talked about the hockey game, right? Mm -hmm. And like I witnessed on Snapchat that there was a lot of people burning stuff. Yeah. And there was like fires happening everywhere all around the U campus. But the fact that all these fires were a bunch of white people, right? Mm. They were a bunch of drunk white college students. Yeah. Wealthy college students, to be more specific, that were jumping over these fires and lighting these fires. And I think about what would have what would have changed the dynamics and what would have been differently if there was a bunch of brown people doing that. Exactly. Like, you definitely see... The double standards. I mean, for our protests, we definitely had police like yeah, for coming sure. at us, telling us to get out of the street. But you had these police cars just blocking off the intersection so these students can climb on the light poles. Like they were just waiting for the fire to go out, and that's what they were doing. Exactly. But I know if this was either a student protest, especially with my like minority of college students, like this definitely would have been different. And I believe then disciplinary actions would have came out. Yeah. And this is like a reoccurring thing that happens over and over here. And to know that, like, just to be a brown person on campus, it's a struggle. It definitely is. And just getting up every day and walking to class is a struggle. And I say this like over and over again that like the community that we've made here and the relationships that we've made here, those are the stuff and all the things that we're going to remember. And those are the things that like I want to remember. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, we're not going to forget all the unjust that happened to our community here, to yourself, to myself. Mm -hmm. And think about this, right? Your time here mm -hmm. is almost up. Yeah. And you've been a part of all these movements. And thinking about all of that, like, what are the values that you want to pass on? And that you want... What do you see the future of NSA being, too? Yeah. I definitely thought about this question a lot, being that, you know, my time is ending rather quickly. Um, I've always been excited to graduate from the institution, but I, I am really sad and bittersweet about leaving like the Native community behind. I mean, it's definitely not a goodbye, but also it's like this has literally been my life for four years consistently. And being that I've, I came here knowing very little people to leaving 
together like with my best friends leaving with my cohort and leaving you know students who became my family students that I've cared for students that I've definitely have a lot of respect for especially when it comes to attending an institution like this where we're not welcomed where you know it's definitely it's gonna it's gonna be a challenge um but it's definitely all about just persevering being resilient and it's in our blood I think and you know I, I believe our students are capable of creating change and I think along with that we've created a really strong support system since the time that I've been here it's always been about close kinship friendship relationships and the different connections that we all have together and together moving forward especially like within our cohorts and I feel like a lot of it is just really believing in yourself and you know change is definitely possible I know like during my time here there's a lot of things that either I didn't accomplish or I failed at and I think that all comes with the experience and I just feel like, you know, my time as a co-chair, it's been it's been a pleasure. It's been an honor, um, especially working with students who are I know going to become future leaders and who I know are going to carry NSA. And along with that, I, I know they're going to be taken care of. We have some amazing Native women faculty, Dr. Angela Parker, Dr. Kelly Fayard. Um, I know that I've worked really closely with Dr. Stevie Lee and Dr. Christine Nelson, and they're brilliant women who've also inspired me to be the change that you know I want to see in the world. So um, I believe the Native community is in good hands. This makes me think about um, like when we were freshmen, we had all these leaders around us and all these like back then I would say grown people yeah. right these adults that were just trying to make it to get to get a degree yeah. and I looked up to them for leadership right but like as the years went on these four years just passed so fast yeah now look at us we're in these positions of leadership that have the ability to make change and when I think about like this is just at the university setting right yeah. and um, this makes me think of the time that we were invited to Fort Collins. Yeah. And so the University of Denver was donated millions of dollars to um, start up this off-mountain campus. Yeah. Um, this off-mountain campus kind of thing. And they want to develop on it really quick. Yeah. And I think um, we were invited over there to, for a tribal consultation because the University of Denver Anthropology Department um, pushed back on, like, planning things real quick at that space. Because as we know over here, um, the Rocky Mountains by the plains, how, how the, the area we're in, especially in Fort Collins, where the, where the Rocky Mountains meets the plains, that was a, a traditional territory where a lot of indigenous folk, um, their ancestors traveled through, made connections, called that place home, right? Mm -hmm. And as indigenous activists, we were always talking about land back, land back. We need to liberate our peoples and... Um, contribute to our sovereignty right mm -hmm. but when when this donation was made to the university of denver and 
this this land was kind of given to them. Um, the anthropology department invited all kinds of tribes, um, many tribes to this consultation to look over the land and um, like kind of the plans that the university has right now. But the anthropology department, it, um, the, the folks who went there were a lot of my teachers. Yeah. And it was so interesting to see the dynamics between tribal representat- uh, representatives with uh, the historical land land um, consultation, the how these tribal leaders interact with institution yeah. and, and academic um, essence, right? Academic beings. Mm-hmm. And... We read about these scholars like Vine Deloria. We read about these indigenous activists that talk about the relationship that social science has with indigenous people. Mm-hmm. And they talk about how anthrop- he, Vine Deloria specifically talks about how anthropologists are evil and how they control the narrative with yeah. native history and how we're represented, right? Yeah. But when we went to you, me, you, and Josh, Josh Ironshell, we went to this consultation and we experienced the dynamic that these tribal representatives had with institutional representatives, right? Yeah. What did you get out out of that experience? I definitely... It was a very humbling experience, I gotta say. Um, I think we can all agree when, when we say, like... I think that was probably the most successful consultation I've seen if only a real change maker was in the room because obviously there wasn't one present and it was it was very <laughs> I was very stunned to hear like these elders like really stand up for themselves mm-hmm. stand up for the community and even stand up for us students because I remember like when we would go on breaks like we would talk with the different people there um just letting them know like yes like you know what you're fighting for is really good and like we even share like our own personal experiences with them like yeah like we don't have a native center on campus like they're not getting rid of you know the pioneer moniker and it's just making it really clear that like and i think du has again a problematic patterning with not being very like how would you say they're not very open especially to their guests or like I feel like they're not truthful like they don't tell the whole story mm-hmm. or either somehow on our behalf like they're not hearing like our struggles or something like that like I just feel like they constantly push aside a lot of like what we go through like for their benefit and so it was very uplifting and it was like the things that they talked about like I just agreed with it so much and like sometimes like as students like we don't know like what to say or like we don't know like what our limit is and sometimes like we do have to be careful like what we say because it can like all come back like to us and so like when they were for like a long time like I've had these thoughts like about the chancellor and like the university and the institution as a whole and like even though like some of these elders had never been to our campus it's like they definitely spoke what I've been feeling like all these years and it definitely felt validating like it felt like because it's not every day like people that like they'll understand like what we go through as students but to hear it from like an elder's perspective it was definitely like 
I, I enjoyed it, <laughs> um, especially like when the elders were just being very brutally honest, especially with the anthropologists. Like, I think a lot of the times in these discussions, like they really think like, oh, we're going to sit there and take what they're mm -hmm. telling us. Like, no, like that's not OK. Like and by them calling, you know, the anthropologists out, it was just like, we're not going to take no for an answer. Like, mm -hmm. you need to get this right, you know? Yeah. And. Like you said before, the agenda in which the university p puts out for us to dish, right? Mm -hmm. It's very set and it's very pre-planned. Yeah, like and there's like there's no room for negotiation. Like that's literally yeah. how DU operates. And and the way these tribal representatives were talking about it, because the chancellor, Jeremy Hefner, might I add, <laughs> was supposed to be at this consultation, but he didn't show up. Or his provost, Mary Clark, right? Mm -hmm. So these decision makers, the people that have the power to create actual change in the policy and in, in the institution, were not there at this consultation. So essentially, the Department of Anthropology, my teachers, were a scapegoat. They were... They were used as a scapegoat they were a scapegoat they took all the blame even though they knew it wasn't right they expressed this in the consultation right they said we were sent here from the university we're supposed to tell you these things but this is not how we feel right mm -hmm. and to see the the dynamics between these elders and like <laughs> these the, these scholarly people was very interesting because like I hear Dr. Angela Parker talk again and again, again and again about how um, elders within our communities, they have PhDs mm -hmm. and there's PhDs in our language and in our culture, yeah. but they don't need a label to validate themselves like exactly. Western institutions. You need the resume. You need all this. You need all this experience right yeah but these elders they were living on their tribal lands you know they live there they they, they protect it with these consultations and stuff mm -hmm. and the fact that they said they told these anthropologists my teachers that you're essentially wasting our time yeah because there are no decision makers in the room and the fact that like we have to beg for a seat at the table like we should already be included in mm -hmm. these discussions and these decisions like and I think that goes back to how the chancellor operates because it's not <laughs> it's not unknown but like he has not engaged with the native and indigenous community since I've been here and I just feel like he refuses to because there's been several opportunities where he's passed by our events like on campus green mm -hmm. And he will not stop by, say hi to our students. It's like, we know clearly that he's bothered. Clearly it's a threat in some way, shape or form. And being co-chair, I have sat with him on several occasions where he's definitely made some decisions, especially like back in 2020 again, when him and the board of trustees voted to keep the pioneer moniker. Um, that morning, we were told there was going to be some negotiation of some type of details to the extent from the protest that we made. And clearly, he already went there knowing that he was going to tell us, like, we're not changing the moniker, like, it's staying. So I think that just kind of shows, like, his patterns of how he is disengaging with Native and Indigenous um, students, staff, and faculty, because 
it's like we're constantly being ignored and it's like it's truly disturbing because i truly don't know what himself and like other people um are telling you know our elders mm-hmm. like yes we're taking care of our native students like clearly that is not true exactly exactly and the the fact that like there's no accountability whatsoever right there's yeah. no there's no call out on any of these right because I remember specifically leading up to that protest Mm -hmm. and this decision. He said he was open. And he said he was open to to, to new ideas and new ways of looking at the Pioneer moniker because he is a visitor. He he does not know the history of this place and he refuses to acknowledge it, right? So he's saying, I'll go into these meetings with you brown people. Yeah. And I'll listen with quotation marks, right? I'll yeah. listen to it. But I already checked off something right here that goes against what you people are saying. I so he essentially like fed you guys, us, all of us, the fish hook. Mm-hmm. All the way up to that day in the fall of, in the fall when he, when he said he was going to keep the Pioneer moniker, right? Yeah. And it's been like this this whole time. So when I think about it that tribal consultation wasn't a consultation at all it was these people telling these Indians that we're gonna build on here yeah and no matter what you say you can't do anything about it yeah that's essentially what it was Mm -hmm. and I was really mad like I was really mad because they're these these are elders right and in our communities they're they're ranked really high even they're just this vessel of wisdom right with the culture with the ceremony with the knowledge yeah and you're supposed to respect them right you're supposed to really respect them and the fact that like this is like anthropologists yeah anthropologists that study human culture right (laughs) they study human culture and they invite these indians over these native american people but they don't have a leader in the room yeah and the way i see it like these elders that we've came into contact with Mm -hmm. they're higher than the chancellor they're higher than all these people with western phds and they don't need a paper to tell them that they're that knowledgeable they just are right and like that was the one thing that i was thinking of when we were there is like if we had these elders with the chancellor like i that would have been awesome to see because it's like not i feel like not very many people are willing to call out the chancellor like face to face Mm -hmm. especially if it's from a native elder because it's like we've had native elders consultators come to campus and like telling the chancellor this pioneer moniker is a hate symbol like Mm -hmm. this does not represent us like our culture they tell them the traditional story is like with like sand creek massacre and everything and he just you know one in the other year he's just there he's like a puppet he's a puppet for the board of of trustees and no matter how much they say they're open to our ideas they're not right and the more Indian people come to this campus the more the more shouts it's going to be and the more momentum that we're going to have so even though our time is ending soon like mm-hmm. I have lots of hope for for the, the scholarly generations behind us you know yeah. and we've seen a lot of the leadership within the members within NSA already like you said we have 25 we have 25 around um, active members and they're all across the levels, right? They're all freshmen. They're all sophomore, juniors, and seniors. Us, our cohort. Yeah. And the fact that, like, I can text 
a freshman to hang out, mm-hmm. you know, a native freshman that came from my school. You know, it's it's really cool to see that transition. Yeah. But like the whole thing with the tribal consultation and all that, seeing these native people speak their mind and what's real. Mm-hmm. Like it's not it's not just words, it's real truth yeah. that they're speaking. That was like a big teaching moment for me, right? Because like I've never witnessed anything like that during my time here, right? Yeah. They they didn't let the voice and the narrative be be contradicted and squeezed into a corner by the agenda, right? They didn't follow the agenda. Not only that, but it's just like I feel like as students, we're always constantly having to be careful of what we say mm-hmm. because it, that within itself can like start trouble. And I feel like a lot of the times we have to bite our tongues because it's like if we say the wrong thing, like like we're a target mm-hmm. essentially. But like for for them to just you know just slam them and just yeah. you know it felt great <laughs> it's like it's like that ego didn't matter yeah like the chancellor wouldn't be this person who's running the institution he's just another white guy pretty much right who wants yeah. to colonize <laughs> that's kind of <laughs> that's probably yeah that's how our people see them you know like there has to be leadership there has to be change there has to be those individuals like yourself yeah to 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 relay that message in a way that's meaningful for the community. Exactly. And um, just reflecting upon all that is really, it's really intense. And like looking back on it, like I never seen myself doing any of this. Yeah. Like a podcast? What the heck? (laughs) (laughs) It essentially became our whole life and our identity. Yeah. And like the fact that like these four years were were just books, 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 writing, 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 papers, papers, papers. That's all I know right now. Yeah. And we've been in school since five. Essentially. We've been in school since (laughs) five. And now that our lives are going to be handed to us. um, It's very exciting. It is. And I know that whatever you do in your future and your career is going to be awesome. And you're going to represent your community well, as you already have. And you're just going to build it upon, become that beautiful elder, the auntie. It's going to be good. So the future cohorts, the future students that are going to be coming into this institution, how, what, what would you say to them? I just want to make it really clear that if you are having a hard time, just know that your experiences are valid, but also know that you do belong in these spaces that weren't meant for us. We deserve to be here just as much as anyone else. We've worked hard for our achievements and we are gonna be successful and we are gonna take this knowledge back to our homes and to our families. And just know that I believe in you and know that you are going to make your family proud, your community proud, as well as for the rest of the Native and Indigenous community. Like, whether you know it or not, you're being watched and just know that you are inspiring so many people today. Boom. Mic drop. Basically. Basically, huh? So, thank you, Taylor. Thank you for coming on this episode. Um... It's your words are truly inspiring and you are right our voices do matter and the way we control the narrative and the way we protect our narrative is very important what kind of item did you bring so for my item i brought 
a homemade pottery from the Pueblo of Laguna. And with that in there is a bag of cornmeal that we pray with. Um, this is actually a really sacred item to me. Um, it's actually my mom's pottery. And to give a little bit of context, uh, my mom passed away in 2011. So just having something of hers, I hold it very near and dear to my heart. That's beautiful. And like, just a side note with like this pottery is like super sacred, right? It's like mm -hmm. to all, all tribes everywhere. And to, to be like in its presence, I feel very blessed. I feel wonderful because as a, as a, like, as a student of anthropology, study archaeology the people in the past, right? Mm -hmm. And when I read about these texts, about these ancient civilizations, especially over here around North America, Southern, like current Southern United States, these potteries, they don't, they're not seen that way. Yeah. They're just seen as an item that was here for so many years. And maybe these designs on it probably represented something. It doesn't go other than, further than symbolism. Yeah. But... To know that this is here being taken care of by somebody is really awesome because I think about all those potteries that the ancient ones left us and they're just been sitting there in museums. Yeah. Right. So to have this connection is truly wonderful. Mm -hmm. And to be in its presence, it, like I said, it's a blessing. And thank you for bringing it. It's definitely been a journey, especially here at DU. Um, I think I never pictured myself as a native woman coming to predominantly white institution, private institution, on a full ride scholarship. Like I definitely made all of my dreams come true. I've created a community that I'm definitely sad to let go of for the time being, but you know, I'm leaving here with best friends, family and a boatload of like awesome memories and you know, I'm definitely ready for the next chapter of my life after this. sacred ending. <laughs> uh -huh. Uh -huh.